Last week, we kicked off our new series, Habits of Grace. What a great chance for all of us to renew our daily walk with God and strengthen our community. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, train yourself for godliness. Godliness, holiness, Christ-likeness, sanctification, that is. These are all described as the same goal of the Christian, a godly life that pleases the Lord. A godly life that pleases the Lord. A super weapon we have to cultivate habits of lifestyle that access God's transforming grace, hence Habits of grace. Habits of grace are means in which God uses in order to transfer his transforming power into our lives. Hence reading the word. Hence praying. Hence fellowshipping with the saints. They are God-ordained channels of his transforming power into our lives to grow our character into the likeness of Christ. Let me make it clear. The goal of sanctification, the goal of the gospel, the goal of God's work in your life is to transform you in such a way that the ending product is you looking like Jesus. And if that doesn't excite you, we're going to keep praying for you. The channels of habits of grace are all God's provision as we saw last week. Even Jesus, Jesus himself, lived careful careful habits which placed him in the path of the channel of God's provision. When we look at the scripture, we see Jesus praying. We see Jesus quoting the word. We see Jesus himself fellowshipping. Jesus showed us even in the wilderness during his temptation to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus practiced the same habits of grace. If he depended upon them, how much more should you and I? If Jesus, the Son of God, depended upon the habits of grace, how much more should us believers? I'm excited to dive a little bit deeper into our first habit of spiritual development, eating the Word, eating the Word, eating the Word the Word, consuming the Word, enjoying the Word, knowing that the Word of God is nutrition to our spiritual uh, development. I want to talk today about the role of the Word that, that, that it plays in growing us in godliness. But before I dive into that, I got a question. Here it comes. It's going to come out of nowhere. What is a side chick? It's a mistress. It's a woman a man dates in addition to his girlfriend or wife, usually in secret. You guys know what I'm talking about. How do you know if you are a side chick? You're saved under a different name. You're probably unsure of this relationship with the guy because nothing is solid between you two. It is sin at its best. He only responds when it's convenient for him. You're not friends on social media. He will never take photos with you. He will go MIA out of nowhere. And you certainly will never live with him. I know what you're thinking. Man, I know some folks who are side chicks. Maybe I wonder if that is the case with me. I got to call my friend. I need to investigate my relationship. But I wonder if I just describe your relationship with God's word as well. How do you know if the word is a side chick? 
Do you have a solid relationship with the Word? Or do you go MIA on reading or consuming the Word? Do you respond to the Word when it calls? Or are you just a hearer and not a doer of the Word? Are you afraid to be seen on social media with the Word? Hard to take pictures with Jesus when you are cheating on Him. But I think above all, the way you know that the Word is a side chick is it will never live with you or in you. And today I want to explore the importance of the Word of God dwelling in you. It is my hope that we will stop playing games with the Word and have a serious, committed, open relationship with God's Word. That we will not longer just come to visit the Word, but that the Word would live with us. I want to answer two questions today and hope that answering them, it would help Help, help, help you in your daily habit of reading God's Word. What is the Word of Christ, and do we allow it to dwell? How do we allow it to dwell in us? Today we are in the book of Colossians, and I would like to give not, not an exhaustive context, but I do want to give you some context, some understanding of the book. But you say, why, Pastor? Because context helps the Word make sense, and it draws out its richness. Context is important when it comes to interpretation. People love to quote verses out of context as they tailor make the verse in a way that is fitting for whatever it is that they're trying to prove. When somebody starts quoting scripture to you, you ought to go and read it in context. Context helps to get to right interpretation. But if I was to sum up the book of Colossians, being that we're not going to be in Colossians for three years, like the book of Romans, praise the Lord, we made it through, Wallet. We are on the other side. But the sum of the book of Colossians, I would say the book of Colossians tells us how to abide in Jesus. In our chapter today, God's Word is encouraging and giving us practical application on how to grow in godliness or godlikeness. The theme is putting off those sins and desires that are contrary to God's call and principle and putting on a proper understanding of God's word to produce his fruit. In so doing, we put on our good character because he is good and desire to work in and through us. Our ethics come from our relationship with Christ. Catch it now. Our ethics flow out of our relationship with Christ. And in understanding his lordship, the application of his word, not just for obligation or ritual law, that our changing, our desire to do good, our desire to live right, is not because we're trying to be right with him, but because we are right with him, because we are in relationship with him, and because we're in relationship with him, it grows a love for him, and out of our love for him comes in obedience to him. When the word is in the church, when it's in the body, when it's dwelling in the body, it will protect the church from wrong thinking and wrong living. And it's important that you understand that the word protects us not just from wrong thinking, but from wrong living. When the word is in the church, it will protect us from heresy injustice, racism, 
biased thinking, misogyny, demonic influence, and the list goes on. Because the more the word is in the church, the more the church will look and act like Jesus. That's godliness. But not just any word, church, not just any old word. But the verse says, the word of Christ. Now, the Christian is commanded to let the word of Christ dwell in them abundantly. You got to get this, the word of Christ, because folks going to want a whole lot of words dwelling in you. And you got to check them. He says, very clear, the word of Christ, the Christian is commanded to let the word of Christ dwell in them abundantly. See, the reason we are not strong in the Lord sometimes is because our body fat percentage is higher than our muscle percentage. Keep looking at me. Keep looking at me. I knew it would be helpful. I knew you guys would relate. I know the struggle. Let's see. Our body fat, let's see our body fat as the things we have consumed that's not Christ's word, and our muscle percentage is the word of Christ. Well, how do you have more muscle than fat? You eat more word and less junk. One of the biggest issues with many churches and some of us is that we have word dwelling in us, but, but it's not the word of Christ. It's a bunch of junk food. It's a bunch of bad stuff. It's Cardi B. It's Kevin Samuel. It's TikTok. It's Facebook. It's Oprah. It's NBA. It's NFL. And I'm not condemning all of these things. It's the Chew. It's Housewives. It's Joe Osteen. It's T.D. Jakes. It's Netflix. It's Hulu. It's Amazon. Every word but Jesus. And it makes the job of the leaders of this campus job harder. Why? It's hard to fill cups that are full already. We are full, but it's not of Jesus. But you should only be allowing Christ to live in you. And when you try to come to the saints gently, and they didn't pick some up off of TikTok or Hulu, and they confirm that it's God's word before they ever filtered it to, through Scripture, it's so hard to change our minds. Yes, it is. Oh, it's so hard. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and not, just, not just secular stuff, but, but even, even your TBN watching, even your preacher watching, we quickly take hold of the words of preachers without investigating the scriptures for ourselves, and it becomes harder for the shepherd or the pastor to pull you back to the text and to show you that this thing that you have taken a hold of does not line with the word of God. This is why he says, the word of Christ. Now, that may refer to the voice of Christ as he speaks quietly to our inner self. I don't know about you, but God unctions in my spirit by his Holy Spirit things that he wants me to do. The word of Christ. However, it probably refers to the message of Christ or the teachings about Christ, which is found in the whole Bible. It is Christ's objective word. We must understand what the word of Christ meant when it was written just after 60 A.D., the Old Testament scriptures were well in hand, and we know they speak of Christ. 
as Jesus emphasized with the disciples on the Emmaus Road after his resurrection. What we call the New Testament was only partially written and wouldn't be completed for a couple decades when John wrote Revelation. So we can't directly say Paul meant the New Testament. What does he mean? The word of Christ could be the teachings of Christ. These are circulating along with the early gospels like Mark in the churches. Let, let Jesus' teaching dwell in you richly. It could be, be word about Christ, which we would call the gospel, the word about Christ, who is in his divine human, divine slash human identity, what he did in dying on the cross in our place for our sins, what he is currently doing as he ascended to the right hand of God, from there intercedes to the Father on our behalf, amen, somebody. In other words, the word of Christ could be any of these things, but most likely is all of these things, since it's all about him. Whether it's the Old Testament scriptures, the New Testament scriptures, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the person, the work, and even the doctrines that flow from salvation in Jesus, which is pretty much everything. Scratch that. That is everything. All of these revelations from God are written in the book, and we call it the Bible. God wrote a book, y'all. It's a book of words about Christ. But we must also keep in mind that the word is living and active. It is the one book that doesn't just allow you to interpret it. It actually interprets you. It's living. It's active. It's real. And so when you open up your Bible, you are not just coming to a book to memorize words. Oh, no, church, you got the wrong idea. When you come to the Bible, you're coming to the person of Jesus Christ, and you shouldn't expect an encounter with him. Oh, yes, it's living, and oh, yes, it's active. Oh, I wish I had a church in here this morning, but if you won't preach back to me, I'll just preach to you. The word is living, and when you read it for real and you pray and you say, God don't let me just read this book, but help me to know the person that this book is all about. I'm telling you that you'll be talking and washing dishes because when Christ gets inside of you, you have encountered the living God. And so when you come to the Bible church, you're coming to a person that you can actually know, that you can actually talk to. Folks may say, you crazy. They will. Because they don't get it. They, yeah, they're going to call you crazy it, because you're talking to this book, but they don't realize that, that something happened. We can't fully explain it, can we, church? But something happens when you read that book and the Spirit makes it come alive and you start shouting in your living room. I'm talking about stuff starts falling off of you when you really read it, peace comes upon you. When you really read it, joy comes. When you really read it, okay, okay, that didn't work. Let me try this one. You know it's real. Because that coworker that you would have cussed out, 
you didn't do it because, I mean, you had some words that was going to come out. But the night before, you got some living words in you so that when you encounter that situation, you hit it from a different angle. And they think it's because you're scared and you're passive, but they don't know that you encountered Jesus last night. And they ought to be thanking God that you did. Because if you didn't, I would have lost my mind. I would have lost my job. But this is what happens when we encounter this book. And so we encounter a person. And so this is why now Paul says this. He says, because you encountered someone, he starts to use house language. He says, let it dwell in you. Mm. That's good right there, Paul. He says, he says, this word, who's Jesus, come let him chill inside of you. Yeah, come let him kick it inside of you. Let him sit on the couch of your spiritual heart. Let him roam the kitchen of your spiritual home. Let him go where he wants to go. And so he says, the word of Christ to dwell in the Christian. This means to dwell in one's house, it's hominess. Christ's word is to be settled down in us. The word shouldn't be uncomfortable in us. The word shouldn't wonder if it's okay for me to be here. Let the word get inside of you like, you, you cool? You, you, you straight? You straight that I'm here? You, we, we, we good? Ain't going to be no fighting or nothing, is it? Okay, is it cool to be here? See, when the word moves in, things change. God's word not only comes to move in, but to deconstruct, to decolonize, to dismantle anything in the house that makes Christ feel out of place. Many people hate to settle down because it will require them to change. Many run from committed relationships. All the married people are going to say amen in a minute. They catching up with me, y'all, but they coming. Many run from committed relationships because it requires them to give up their selfishness. It's the reality that marriage is for life that scares people. Every day? Hold on, Pastor. Well, I say these vows. Now, hold on. Let me get this right. This, did, you said, did you say the death do us part? Okay, okay. Y'all might have to part ways with y'all. I can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't do that. Many run from committed relationships because it requires them to give up their selfishness. See, 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 to be in a relationship, to be in a marriage is allowing a person into your closet. You know the places in your house where you don't allow the guests to go because they're not as, as clean as the other portions that you presented? Okay, y'all don't want to be real in here. All of y'all tidy. That's all right. I'm talking, about the, I'm talking about the junk drawer where all your business is at. I'm talking about the one room that you get. Don't y'all go up in that room. See, when you get married, people get to, that person gets to go through your junk drawer. 
They get to go in your closet and they find out you ain't all that you presented on the first date. It's scary, y'all. It is. Because you don't know if this person going to love you after they find out everything. When we allow the word to dwell in us, we are giving God the key to our house to access every part of it. If we feel more like a hotel than a home to the word, that's a problem. The word shouldn't feel like it has a checkout time with you. Now, y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Sunday, we good. But Monday, you got to go work. Before I get to work, you got to get up out of here. Because I got some people coming over. I got some things I want to say. I got some attitudes I want to express. I got some faithlessness that I want to sit in. So come Monday morning, you got to go. But I'll see you early Sunday morning, don't worry, when the saints gather so I can put on my Christian ease and act like I really know you. Yeah, I need you to show up on Sunday, but after Sunday, you got to check out. Oh, no, and there is no late checkout neither. This is the hardest thing about marriage, change. But when does a person truly feel at home? When they no longer feel like an intruder, but feel the sense of belonging. This is how Jesus puts it. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will. Come on now, church. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free. Come on, church. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me. Watch it. Here it is. Here it is, church. Because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. He's talking about the devil, y'all. That's a crazy chapter. Y'all got to go read it. Jesus like smacking them around, like pow, pow, pow. I'm like, yeah, get him, get him. You know what I'm saying? Because y'all always want to see soft Jesus. He over there just, he just throwing a haymaker. Bah! People who hate the word of Christ, people who hate the words of Christ would kill or want to or, or want Christ killed if he was living in 2021. Okay, let me bring it because it's easy to say that won't be me. But let me tell you, if you don't like the word now, if Jesus was here like he was back then, you would want him dead. You or you would want him killed. Why? Well, what do you have in your drawer next to the bed if an intruder comes in? Just keep looking at me. Next to your bed. In the nightstand. Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the thing that makes you sleep at night. That thing. I'm not going to say the name because I know some of y'all ain't for that. But some of y'all got some stuff tucked in the drawer. You say, got your pastor. It's not, it's not in the drawer. Okay, underneath the mattress. 
I got you again, Pastor Diana. Okay, in the closet. Why? Why do we have that? What do you have in your drawer? Why do you have it? Why? You have it for those intruders. You have it for those who don't belong there. If they don't live there, they're not going to get these hands. They're going to get these hands. Ain't that right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I ain't coming with these. I'm coming with these. And you don't want these. <laughs> All right, let me stop. But if you are in danger, same is true spiritually. Either the word is an intruder or it's at home. It's not until a person stops asking permission to access everything that makes the house feel like home. When the word is no longer asking for permission but making decisions is when you can be assured it doesn't just visit, but it dwells in you. But as the word says, watch this, don't just let it dwell. Paul could have stopped there. But he adds on. He says, richly. Rich in the sense of abundance or pervasiveness, as, as Angie illustrated with the jelly beans in the jar, overflowing. He could have said, let the word of Christ dwell in you, but richly adds the aspirational goal. Let it dwell more and more, which is a lifelong pursuit of a Christian. This is what I believe is a spirit-filled life. What is it to be full of the spirit? I believe it is being rich in the word, meaning what controls and rules you. Here it means to be directed by God's principles and Christ's character and the Holy Spirit leading. Being led by the Word of God will enable us to do to be more filled with the Spirit of God. They go together. One cannot be effective without the other. You cannot say the Spirit fills you by being emotionally aesthetic while you ignore the words of God. What gives you hope, reason, purpose, meaning, motivation will be what is planted, cultivated, and growing in your mindset that influences your attitude and outlooks and actions. Have you ever known people who claim they are full of the Spirit because they have special revelation? Or they run around the church? Or they shout? Or they speak in tongues? Or they know a lot of doctrine? They can parse verbs? They have great hermeneutics. They say the spirit has taken over, but then they can't control their flesh and their attitude outside of the church. How the spirit going to control you in church but not out of church? P, no, key, no, let me stop. That's why y'all TikTok lovers. They are not full of the spirit. I'm sorry, y'all, I had to throw that in there. Uh, half of them don't even get a child. It's all right. They are full of the Spirit. They, they are full of the Spirit, but not of, the, the Spirit is not full of them. They claim that they're full of the Spirit, but the Spirit is not inhabiting them. Friends, if the Spirit controls you in church, he should be able to control you out of church. Because where there is no word, there is no Spirit. And if there is no Holy Spirit, 
there is no salvation. But the spirit in the word acts like a ring. See, Paige and us, Paige and I, we have this doorbell called ring. It's a little doorbell with a camera. I love it, y'all. Had to get it. Real nice. You got to get one. It's nice. What I like about ring is when folks come, we open our app. They ring the doorbell. We open up the app to see who wants to access our home and to determine if they can come in or not. And the only two folks that decide that is me and Paige, although my teenager thinks that she can sometimes. If you, if you got kids, wait till they become teenagers. And friends, the word is your doorbell. And the spirit is the owner of the Christian house. The word gives you vision on what is godly, and the spirit guards the door and denies or gives access to your spiritual temple. But the more word in you, the more the spirit can control the doorway to your soul. And did you know that Ring has a community? All of our neighbors with Ring can communicate with each other. I love it. We can. They all help keep watch over the neighborhood. We alert each other when intruders are around. We alert each other on what's going on in the surrounding areas. I say this because the more of us that download the spirit ring, the more protected we will be. We can communicate to each other on the dangers in this church and what's going on around us. See, godliness is not just individual, but it's a community thing. That it's not just about me growing in the word, but my neighbor growing in the word. Because the more of us that know the word, the more protected we will be from the intruder, namely Satan. You might be saying, I'm convinced that I need the word. I'm convinced that I need to consume the word. I'm convinced that I need the spirit inside of me dwelling, working with the word of God. But how do I do that, pastor? Can you tell me practically how I do that, Pastor? When I leave this place and I face my circumstances and I face my enemy, can you tell me practically how we do that? Thank you for defining it, Pastor, but how do I apply that? Well, that's next week's message. So come back for the tips and best practices. But I want to sit on this, dwell richly. Truth today, because, because if we don't strongly desire God's word in us richly, all the tips and best practices in the world won't make any difference. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I'd like you to think about your heart for a second, like a pitcher of water. We're going to make some spiritual tea. Let's take, thank Pastor Dustin for this illustration. Lots of ways to make tea. To make tea big or small, you need a tea bag. The basic idea is that you drop the tea bag into the jar, right? Real simple. Doesn't take a rocket, it doesn't take rocket science to make tea. All you do is you take the bag and you drop it in the water. You let it dwell, church. You see, this one here has been sitting here since I started preaching this morning. And here's the beautiful thing. As the tea bag has dwelt in the water, it has changed the water. The water is now reflecting and it's being infiltrated with what? Everything that's in the tea bag. 
But here's the thing. It's been sitting here all day since I've been preaching. But now here's the other thing. There's another cup. I haven't really put this tea bag in there. I'm going to go ahead and drop it in there. Let's see what happens, y'all. I'm going to drop it in there. As you can see, it's just plain old water. The tea is in there, but it hasn't been in there long enough. See, here's the difference, church. Those who allow the word of God to dwell over time, it begins to change us. And sometimes just coming to Sunday ain't enough to change you. If you like me, I need a little bit more help to get the word down in me. And so sometimes you got to agitate it a little bit. And how does God agitate the tea bag? Oh, I go to Bible study, he agitates it just a little bit more. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I pray, he agitates it just a little bit more. I, I, what? I go through trials, and he agitates it just a little bit more. And the more he agitates it, the more I become what? Looking more and more like Jesus. And sometimes it's not comfortable, but I wish I had some seasoned saints in here. When you look back over your life and you see what God has brought you through, you know that God has what? Been dwelling in you for a very long time because you see patience in your life. You see love in your life. You start responding to situations differently, don't you? When you let the word dwell in you, your marriage is a little bit richer. Your friendships are a little bit richer. Things that used to rock you don't rock you like they used to rock you. Things that used to rob your peace don't rob your peace the way that they used to rob your peace. Some of us have come a mighty long way, and it has not been in our own strength and our own power, but it's because the word of God has been dwelling in us. And we desire for the Word of God to change us. Because if the Word has been dwelling in you, you ought to look different. If you're not looking different, it's either the Word ain't been dwelling in you long enough, or it's not in you at all. But this is what I do know. This is what I know without a doubt. That if the word is in you, listen to me, church, it will change you. It will change you. We look to a lot of places and a lot of things, but the word of God is able to change us. If we allow it to dwell in us. If we allow the word of God to stop asking for permission. Asking for access. See, the thing about marriage is that we're afraid, right? We're afraid that if I allow you into my junk drawer, you may not like what you find and you might want to leave. The reason why I don't want to allow you into the closet of my home is because you may find something in my closet that you don't like and it may jeopardize our relationship and you might want a divorce. But here's the beauty about God. The Bible says that God loved us so much that he died for us while we were sinners. So that God knew all the crevices of your heart and yet he still decided to love you. And so you don't have to be afraid to allow the word to get into the crevices of your life. Because there is nothing that God is going to find that he has not already counted on the cross of Jesus Christ that you can open up and say, God, search the depths of my heart, search my mess, search my hangups, search my hurts, search my pain, search my trauma. And yet he says that I'll still stay. And when he does, he'll change you. 
It'll give you freedom to go to that counselor and deal with that trauma. Because you know that when you walk in there, you're not walking by yourself. But that he's walking with you. Because the word says that he'll never leave me, nor will he what church? You quote it, do you believe it? Is it down in the crevices is what I'm asking. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. I know that circumstance, that situation has been giving you some intrepidation, but do you know that Christ gives you a peace that this world didn't give you and so the world can't take away? Let him in, church. Let him in. Let him rule. Let him reign. Let him change you. But you say, Pastor, what about these trials in my life? You say that God loves me, but it doesn't feel like he loves me. It feels like he's punishing me. The Bible says that he disciplines those whom he what? If you love, he's going to discipline you. But he ain't disciplining you because he's trying to make you into a version of you that he's able to love. No, God loves you as you are, but he loves you enough not to leave you as you are. And so in order for the word to get down, sometimes he got to send some trials. And all of a sudden, that water gets a little bit darker, gets a little bit heavier. That's what I love about Southern tea, right? Oh, that's some thick tea, isn't it? Some heavy sugar in there and everything. Oh, I love me some sweet tea, y'all. And all of us like our tea in different ways. Some of us like it strong. Some of us like it light. My question to you is how strong do you like your tea this morning? Do you like it extra strong? That is with the word of God dwelling richly in you. Or do you just want, you want your tea to be light? I just want a little bit of Jesus in me. I want too much. You know, I don't want to change a whole lot. There's certain stuff I want them to change. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want them dominating me. I want to be able to see me a little bit. Or do you say, I want all of me to die, and I want all of him to live. Friends, this is what the Word does. It changes us. Worship team is coming back at this time. It makes us godly. It makes us into the image of Christ. Friends, God's goal is not to make you rich. God's goal is not to make you the so-called happiest person on earth. God's goal is not to give you every desire that you want. God's goal in your life is to make you like Jesus. And then until we come to grips with that truth, we're going to be one frustrated people. But when we surrender and we say, Lord, make me like you. And friends, can I be honest this morning? That ain't easy. Can we be real? <laughs> yeah, it sounds good preaching, right? <laughs> Wait until Monday when that person that you live with is getting on your nerves. That sounds good until that friend or that coworker. Or that trial comes. But we want to be who God has said that we are. 
we are sons and daughters of the Most High. And one of the ways that he does that, church, is by getting his word inside of you. Richly and abundantly. Next week, we'll learn how to do it practically.